Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 639, being recorded on July 28, 2021. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Spurnberg, and good catch on the numbering because I forgot to change the show notes. No, but I did. No, you didn't. I'm fixing it right now. It says Wednesday, July 28, podcast 639. Unless we're looking at different uh, show notes. We're looking at different show notes. I don't think we're looking no, at I see. I see your name popping up on my screen. So where did it I'm just going to start deleting everything. I'm no. going to delete everything. Now, you know what? That'll just make it. this more. Like this will make it more exciting. And we'll. Yeah. Like we I don't mind doing it as off the cuff. That's fine. We'll just do an yeah, hour. That's fine. Because we don't normally. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the notes the are secret. just general. Jo- Jeremy, those are secrets. Guys. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Am I saying the quiet part out loud again? Maybe I you didn't did. come down here until 9.55 p.m. <sighs> and maybe as soon as I opened up VMix, we started streaming without even saying hello that, to each other. That's but actually true. The readers don't, that's actually true. the listeners don't have to know that. No. We only speak to each other when we have to. I try to speak to you guys, and I try to interact, but no, everybody no, ignores me. No. Sometimes Jeremy responds, but only because we're both sysadmins, and he's like, did you see that exploit that we have to patch for in Microsoft after the patch? And I respond, yes. Yeah. And then we both cry a bit. By the way, you can go to pcper.com slash subscribe to be alerted before live events like this podcast live recording session, exclamation point. And the next line says, you can help support the site and podcast distribution by heading over to patreon.com slash pcper and becoming a patron. Let's move on to our most important segment of the week. Absolutely. There's gonna, this is going to be a Josh-heavy program, just to it's warn you. It's burger time. Yes. Well, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to start with that. Oh, we're going to play the course, burger time game? Which I didn't yep. even have pulled oh. up because I'm not prepared. Mm. I, 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 I will show this first. Because I, I, was, I feel like I was misled this morning, this early afternoon. Mm-hmm. Because I saw a status update from Josh. Yeah. That, hold on. There it is. Where's the monitor? Right here. Josh is quickly blocking you. And I'm like, okay. Oh, wow. Oh, Josh wow. has upped his photo game. Like, man, better lighting this week. Uh, composition is pretty good. It's not centered, but it's okay. And like, you know, I like this. How did he get specular highlights off of ketchup? I, I feel I like it's know. just slightly overexposed. It's not ketchup. It's okay. Uh, it's okay. okay. And I, and then, and then later, and then, three hours then. later, you post something else. And he's like, um, yeah, somewhat the it's, worst for wear. Somewhat. Let me pull this up. So I made a little, uh, uh, a meme. image out of this, yes. <laughs> Three hours later, I get this picture. Uh, I mean, it does kind of look like a cow pie on the top of it. It's, it's uh, cow pie with worms, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, what, uh, you know, what the lighting wasn't great. Um, <laughs> it just, it just obviously didn't pop. What happened between what happened between the photos? Was one just the picture from the online menu? One was just I, I got it from Facebook that <laughs> oh, they, they posted. Okay. This is our special for today. So they photoshopped so it. They photoshopped oh, it. Oh, that they, is their they, one they special burger of the day. Yeah. One singular. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you know, the colors, I mean, sometimes my lighting is is okay and 
you know, it makes the, the burger kind of pop, especially if there's more colors to it. But this one is just olive drab. Flat. Everything is it's drab. flat. It's flat. It's very flat. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, but no, this is the um, the granddaddy of them all, the, the Frontier Days Rodeo Burger. And uh, it is comprised of two quarter pound beef patties. So a half pound of beef, multiple uh, onion rings. Uh, spicy barbecue sauce, fresh cut jalapenos, American cheese, and finally in there, they've actually got bacon. Where? So this is a massive. It's well, I see some bacon there. there. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Yep. it's uh, it's, a, it's, it's bacon it's on trip. purpose. Two, two, two strips crossed, and this is this was a fantastic fantastic burger i mean the the spicy barbecue sauce really lent itself to all the other components and um, jalapenos gave it a nice bite and some crunch uh, onion rings come on onion rings they're, they're fantastic and and locally sourced uh free range uh grass-fed buns beef. buns i have no idea about but they're two <laughs> or one set of buns yes yeah, but no, this was a little squished. You know, I'd, I'd kept it in the bag longer than I wanted to, but you know what it is. But boy, it was good. It was really good, and it's filling. It. I'm not going to have anything to eat until at least noon tomorrow, if not later, because it's a lot of food. I had a salad with it. I forego, forewent the fries. My arteries just couldn't take it. I got a hammer out, and I started tapping on, on, on my arm and i just heard sound of glass breaking it's like well maybe i should rethink my diet second quarter 2021 financials amd josh what can you tell us amd essentially kicked ass they they had a record quarter not only just a record regular quarter but a record q2 and i mean everything 3.85 billion dollars of revenue that's that's insane. Let's compare to Q2 2015. Only six years ago, they had revenue of approximately 970 million and a loss of some 120 to 150 million. Not a great quarter. That was the two years before uh, Ryzen. So and the next year, they had slightly better with like $1 billion a quarter with another significant loss. And, and even 2017, the first year, it was like $1.1 billion and then they had narrowed their losses. No, now they're up to $3.85 billion. They have followed NVIDIA up to hit nearly $4 billion a quarter. That's nuts. The amount of, that's a hundred percent growth essentially year over year. And another 12% from what was previously an extremely strong Q1, which followed an extremely strong Q4. I mean, they just kept making money. And this is a combination of, of execution on their part. It's, it's, they had a lot of years of, of a lot of leanness that they cut the fat out of the organization. And even they cut a lot of lean meat out of the organization. But they had to do it to survive. And so Lisa and gang have done very well in turning the ship around. And uh, every part is is just moving along. Great. Um, their, their computing and graphics segment, which you see here, uh, $2.25 billion just by itself. That's CPUs 
and graphic processors. I mean, they sell everything they make. Uh, 3000 series to 5000 series and now our DNA 2 stuff. Um, still, these are some of the most popular graphics cards around. Um, you can buy a 6700 XT online for approximately $990. That's double, if not a little bit more, of the MSRP of that product. And if you're looking for a 6900 XT, you're, you're looking $1,800. Easy. 18 to 2000. It's, it's, it's insane. And they're selling everything that they can to these manufacturers who are then selling to you. And people are buying these products at these prices. And it blows my mind because it simply isn't worth it to me. But that's just me. I mean, I've got a pretty nice graphics card anyway. So obviously, I'm not upgrading. Uh, people who may have a 1050 would want to upgrade but they can't. And so that really stinks unless you go onto the new egg shuffle and you're willing to accept, uh, you know, bundle me up a power supply that's overpriced with this video card that's slightly overpriced. And then I can have that. But, uh, you know, in terms of what AMD has done is, is just absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, double from last year, that's, that's crazy. And last year was, was extremely strong for them because, um, they are just actually still going with the 3000 series. They hadn't released the 5000. They haven't released our DNA too. So it's interesting. But yeah, I mean, COVID uh, and, and the market itself has helped them tremendously. But yeah, going from 1.9 billion to 3.8 billion in a year is nuts. We thought that, that NVIDIA's mercurial rise quarter to quarter over the past couple of years was nuts. This is right up there. Now, Intel has obviously been improving their their quarterly numbers but not to this extent i mean they're still making 19 billion a year with a quarter which is you know nuts but they've got the manufacturing and, and they're taking advantage of the uh the demand that the market is is showing and they still you know they're they're only doing cpus uh you know their their gpu stuff is very basic uh they still really haven't gotten into a lot of their accelerator market uh they're doing a lot of networking obviously but you know that's that's a very small portion networking chipsets it's it's not much as compared to you know the monster cpu products and they want to diversify that which is why they brought on raj in the gang um epic has been growing also tremendously it's like 20 percent of their revenue and that's a pretty significant chunk especially where they were just three to four years ago i mean which was essentially nothing uh their first epic processors were not great uh second generation had improvements but this generation the third stuff is is really it is propelling them upwards and onwards at a tremendous rate and uh yeah they're growing and uh they're they're taking uh, percentages from Intel in the server market. It's just, it's nuts. We haven't seen AMD like this since like 2004, 2005, uh, before Intel released the, uh, you know, core two base products. Um, they're selling everything, everything that they can make seven nanometers going full bore for TSMC. Uh, they're still, uh, relying on uh, global foundries for their IO stuff. Um, 
that's a solid relationship, even though the rumors of Intel buying Global Foundries. Um, trying to think what else. Yeah, it's just been a fantastic year for AMD. I mean, it is a transformational year. Uh, Q2, Q3 will not be that significant in terms of growth. It's still going to be decent. We're looking at 150 million to 300 million increase in overall revenues. So going from 3.85 billion to 4.1 billion at the max. Um, you know, they're still they're still selling everything that they can. TSMC is is giving them more wafers where, you know, it makes sense. And uh, they're expecting uh, five nanometer parts in 2022. Uh, they didn't really specify what time of year. But uh, we're looking at the first half for um, Zen 4, as well as our DNA 3. Yeah, they tripled profits. I mean, what else do you need to know? 710 million in net revenue, which is, I mean, they're getting close to a billion. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty. It's uh, pretty good for AMD. That's that's some good living. Their free cash flow was a record for their entire existence. It was, uh, it was just kind of nuts, which, you know, good for AMD, good for competition. Um, they're keeping everything going and, uh, they keep executing, um, their, their, their overall plan for the company is, is extremely healthy. And, and, and certainly they have profited from not only COVID, which has for some reason, got people buying more and more computers, uh, but also the faltering that Intel has had over the past couple of years, and they have taken supreme advantage of that, and especially the new Ryzen 5000 series. Um, they and just, Epic. you know, kind of... Yeah, well, I mean, Epic is 3000 series, I believe, so far. I mean, they're... True, but it's making them next. stupid money. Yeah, 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 because And it's, they're big in workstation now, of course, because why wouldn't they be yeah. with Threadripper? Yeah. You've got you've got a tremendous amount of cores and threads going at any kind of problem, and Intel has nothing to compete uh, with that kind of compute density and power density. Because yeah, that's that's it. Intel that's, ten that's series and eleven series. I mean, they they eat the juice and they produce the heat, and uh, AMD doesn't have that issue. It. I, I mean, sixty five watts is pretty much sixty five watts. A lot of people don't remember that from a data center perspective, it's really, really important for them to manage their power draw and their oh, heat. Good God. And they're, de yeah. and they're deploying so, so many of these. It really makes a huge difference. I mean, a lot of people at home are like, so what? You know, I'll just cool it a little bit more. Or, you know what? That's going to cost me $12 a year in extra electricity. That's not the case in the data center. No. It's a big, big deal. No, in, the, in the data center, your upfront cost is actually the small one. <laughs> yeah. that, that forklift upgrade actually ends up being cheaper than what you look at in energy bills over the course of a year. Yeah. Or the, especially the yeah. lifetime of whatever you bought, then it gets and it's better. In, and it's in power, yeah. you know, input and cooling on the output side. So mm -hmm. they get it coming and going. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, and they've got very efficient processors as compared. And certainly mm -hmm. Intel is starting to catch up a bit, yes. but they still, they're still, <laughs> They're still hurting in, in that power draw and heat production. And How can you say that, Josh? Did you not look at the process and packaging innovations press kit? Yeah, I did. Okay. If we're done talking about AMD financials, Josh, are we done? You want to Anybody else have anything else? I mean, other than 
Um, growth looks to have slowed down, but <clears throat> they keep growing at a, a reasonable percentage rate. Their margins uh, jumped up 4%, so they're at, I think they're at 48%. And when you consider uh, ASPs have been rising and they have a really good product mix. And the thing that's really kind of pulling them down is the semi-custom stuff. Because in terms of margins, that's really, really low margin. But I think it was OpEx and some other things, it's it's really high. Because all it is is they did the work. They got paid for the work. They get the royalties from when they get manufacturing. And it is a long-term deal that continues to make them money year after year after year after all of the work has been done. And so in terms of that, uh, their, their console wins are great. I'm going to be interested to see how the, uh, the steam handheld does, uh, because that's based on semi custom AMD silicon. Um, you know, the only thing they don't have is the Wii for one reason or another, but that's, that's, fine with them i guess i mean nvidia can have that chunk and and oh, I, I think you know okay oh the switch sorry they had Why? the wii u back and but they don't yeah, have the, the wii, u. wii u yeah because they've been able to execute like they were have been it wouldn't doubt me that it, i would not doubt excuse me that other customers are looking at amd and investing in their semi-custom group to produce ASICs that are based on cutting edge Zen technology as well as our DNA two and eventually three. Um, and these all have proven to perform very well and to sell very well across the board in uh, today's pretty hot marketplace. So yeah, AMD is sitting in the catbird seat. Uh, they're, they're doing well as a company. They don't seem to be doing many things wrong. They continue to execute, and they've got a pretty good roadmap. Uh, the thing that they're going to be limited on is they still are not their own foundry. And so if TSMC and Samsung and Global Foundries, you know, hit the brakes, they're, they're at that mercy. Um, but so far, all those guys have seen to, uh, you know, be moving forward, and especially TSMC. And we're going to go into, you know, compare contrast with TSMC and Intel here pretty shortly. Anything else you guys have to add? No, we're moving on. Only that we'll get to MCM GPUs next week sometime, maybe. Okay. Rumors. Intel had an event. <laughs> uh, I want to look at the names. I love the names. technology innovations. Look at all these innovations. 90 nanometer, 45 Ooh. high K metal gate. That was a big one. FinFET. Now. Intel. Kumquat. Well, we're right. moving into the Angstrom era. That's what they're trying no, to explain. This isn't proportional, but by the way. We have rebranded. <laughs> we are now rebranding, apparently. Intel is now rebranding nanometers because the next mm. process, which will be enhanced FinFET, which I presume will still be 10 nanometer, is going to be called Intel 7. Just mm -hmm. Intel 7. Ooh. And then EUV, the process formerly known as 10 plus yes. plus plus plus, <laughs> will be Intel 4, and then it will move to Intel 3, and then it will move into the Angstrom era with Intel 20A. What do you think about this from Intel's accelerated I mean, webcast? They were all marketing terms anyway. 
Yep. Yeah, essentially, no matter. Correct. I mean, Intellis kind of complained about it. It was like, well, we're more, you know, accurate with going at 10 nanometer and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know, they really kind of weren't. And TSMC is not accurate and Samsung's not accurate. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's just the way it goes. So I'm not opposed to rebranding a process note because for most consumers, don't they don't care about process note. They just care about the price of the product and its overall performance. And so these these note things don't make a whole lot of difference. But when you're talking to tech press and, and some you know enthusiasts and those who really pay attention, uh, they're all kind of shrugging as well. It's like, yeah, we 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 were tired of 14 nanometer plus 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 plus. And uh, so if if you can just, you know, label them as Seven, four, twenty A. We don't care. Um, they have examples of wafers with a lot of these technologies going forward, and so that's good. But that is not a promise of being able to deliver. Um, what is that that thing that they they do before every quarter uh, past um, performance? does not indicate future performance, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's the same Stocks, thing. I mean, they're, they're showing, they're showing that they can do the work, but we don't know how manufacturable it is or how, you know, economical it will be. Uh, TSMC does not have the billions that Intel does. And so they take a more conservative approach to their next generation notes. And in this case, their more conservative approach at seven nanometer, I mean, has paid off in spades for the company. Uh, they're doing the same thing with five nanometer. And it already is, you know, Apple is, is in it big. AMD is about to be in it big. NVIDIA is transferring their stuff over to TSMC five nanometer. And so, you know, Intel's nodes, uh, their, their process technology is being aggressive. But again, we don't know how well that's going to be. Gelsinger has only been in here for a short amount of time. A lot of this stuff was already in the pipeline and development. And I mean, they've obviously probably changed things around. They, they've, they've spent some money at certain areas that maybe they didn't before. Um, and perhaps they even, you know, pulled back some of the advanced features that they were going to do sooner to try to get, you know, a bigger jump on the competition. But that bigger jump is a lot more uh, risky than, you know, perhaps what they're doing now. Uh, still, it's it's going to be a while before we see um, the uh, advantages potentially of these jumps for Intel. Because TSMC is keeping close in there. AMD is doing well in terms of design. NVIDIA, again, excellent at design of their products. Um, ARM, their designs are fantastic as well and uh, very focused. So all these guys are providing a tremendous amount of uh, competition for Intel. And they have a tough road to, to climb, a tough road to hoe, if you will. Is that the same? Anyway, tough road to hoe. Hmm. Um, so yeah, they're they're kind of behind the eight ball in terms of everybody else in the industry. But the uh, one advantage that they have, 
they have more manufacturing than anybody else. So they can provide as many CPUs as really the market needs. And even they said that we're going to have shortages over the next six to eight months. So that just kind of tells you where the market's at. And uh, AMD has been actually taking some market share, especially in Epic. Um, yes. So this next year is, is going to be really interesting to see where Intel, Intel goes. I mean, their 11 series, yes, you've, you've got those IPC advantages that uh, they, they built in. But again, power draw and heat production is, is so far above what AMD has for kind of that same performance mark in the 5000 series. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, again, the uh, GPUs from Intel. They should be showing up later this year. I believe there's and, your guns. Uh, have, yeah. And we have no idea uh, how much they can provide and uh, how efficient it'll be as compared to even current stuff, much less the upcoming five nanometer things uh, from AMD and NVIDIA next year. I just think if, if it's just a number, if it makes sense to be more honest and forthcoming about your actual lithography and that, their 10 was closer to 10 and maybe TSMC's is closer to like eight or nine. My just the layman's perspective is, well, then why is it taking twice as much power to match the performance then if they're the same? It's the efficiency of TSMC seven nanometer with AMD's architecture is so much greater that design is, I mean, we're talking billions of transistors, transistors and, and design is a big part of it too. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you have weakness in your process node that you have chosen and you're going with, then it, it doesn't matter what your design does. Uh, there are going to be negative impacts to overall performance. And uh, you can design around some of these things, but it can only go so far. And so, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what, what Intel does with their process technology. If they just take a step back, it's like, you know what? We've been going down the wrong pathway. We need to make some major changes and go back here. And uh, but but doing that is it again, it, it's going to take years. I mean, it's it's you know, it's it's they're building a road brick by brick and it, it all leads from one place to another. And if you go back, then you're, you're laying down a lot of foundation that, uh, you didn't have to do. So it's, it's, you know, process technology. It's, it's just magic. I mean, how it works is it's beyond me. I mean, how they're able to in these very fine, small, features being able to deposit metal and then deposit you know substrate and etch and it just it's it's it really is it's it's magical i don't know how they do it but but they do and i hope they baked in some mitigations because it's really going to suck if we have to go through a whole new batch of these there's been some noise the last couple of days about energy efficiency rules and certain states apparently not even able to ex- to ship high performance PCs or well, at this point so. one specific one just, but it, that will change is it just Dell <laughs> yeah wow. it's their <clears throat> Alienware Aurora Ryzen Edition R10 gaming desktop why the Ryzen Edition uh, well because it's got <laughs> more cores just too power yeah. hungry which is 
you know, interesting because the Intel equivalent would be, uh, you know, scary. Yeah. I would say it's, it's not more. just more cores. It has to do with the amount of, of, you know, current draw that the motherboard that the CPU is placed in and the power supply that it comes with. And, and the power not, draw during the, the C states. Exactly. But believe it or not, some of the larger motherboards fall into an exempt category. It, yes. It, it doesn't exactly make sense. Oh, Jeremy, you know, so go, go ahead. Okay. Well, of course it does, because consumers don't buy those ones. <laughs> because almost all of this applies to consumers, which, uh, you know, is the number one driver of climate change. I mean, the laptops, <laughs> desktops, and workstations make up a whole 3% of yes. residential energy use in uh, let's, California, let's which is where this here. came the, from. The real problem with energy use in relation to computer hardware is mining. It's not somebody yes, buying which is a not... Dell system to game on. And, and, and leaving yeah. it on overnight. I mean, for God's sake. You left that system I mean, on. And it, at which point it idles and doesn't right. draw any damn freaking power, more or less. The system was drawing a total of about 20 watts. Unacceptable. So, I mean... How many... How many digital clocks do you have on over <laughs> yeah. your house? I mean, at least someone's doing something. I mean, that that part of it is good, but it's the whole, we have to do something, this is something, therefore we have to do this part of it, which drives me freaking batty. Because the, their calculations... politicians don't have a good grasp on the nuances... On reality? ...technologies of, of, of compute... Josh, I just stop it. You, you don't have a good an grasp on reality. <laughs> it's they the have their own. We've got to change it. <laughs> you don't own a PC. You you just borrow one. You're you're part of a PC share program, and that way it's divvied up between everyone that uses it. So yeah, it, it, the calculations and they're quite interesting. Like they they definitely had someone who knew what they were doing calculating it because the the power draw of your graphics card there is a. a calculation that's added to the total expected uh, draw of, a, of a, a system. And they set certain assumptions on how long it's going to spend in deep sleep, uh, awake but unused, or under a load, except there's no, there's only 100% load or essentially no load. So for the vast majority of computer usage, this is not applicable in any way, shape, or form. But at the same time, they're ignoring the miners, which are doing the big thing because they are screaming and yelling about keeping it below uh, 135 kilowatt hours a year. I think that's what it was. Uh, that's sort of what they're aiming oh. for right now. So there's a site which takes care, uh, that uh, keeps its track on Bitcoin electricity uh, out of Cambridge, the university thereof. It's only Bitcoin. Uh, so currently today. Bitcoin has used 10.35 gigawatt hours in the past 24 hours. Uh, the annualized consumption at this point is 71.86 terawatt hours per year. Uh, when Do I you know look how back many times in May, I would have sent Marty McFly back into the past. Like we're beyond <laughs> gigahertz. Yeah. So this is a pet peeve of mine because it's like, no, go after like if you can go after a uh, pot growing operation off of the amount of electricity it's sucking down, like you can do the same damn thing for miners and leave the po poor gamers alone. It's this is not the problem. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, but if you're running a thirty ninety full out mining or playing a certain Amazon game, then yeah. Uh, on that note, right. we should pause to hear from this week's podcast sponsor. 
Say goodbye to repetitive text entry spelling and messaging errors, or sometimes even trying to remember the right thing to say. Text Expander makes it easy to give your team the right words for every situation. Whether you need to keep your team happy or delight customers with effective answers, you can rest easy knowing your team has got it covered by getting it right every time. Now with improved web app security to keep your content well protected, Text Expander helps keep your team consistent, accurate, and current. With it, you can share your text and images with the whole staff to keep them on track. Everyone will share the same messaging so they can give the same answers to all your customers' questions. Using Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations so that you can streamline and speed up everything you type. Now that's increasing productivity. Create powerful snippets to save you time so that all you type is a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest of the typing for you. Using Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. Show listeners can get 20% off their first year, so visit TextExpander.com slash podcast to learn more. That's TextExpander.com slash podcast. We're hey. back, and we're about to explore another article from the register, because that's kind of what we do. And this is interesting. Plastic, fantastic. Will it bend? Will it bend? Plastic back oh. TFT part position as perfect for the Internet of Things. Well, I don't care about that part. I care about the part that they're building chips on flexible plastic. Plastic arm, it's called. Yep. Because oh, why would mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you call it? Mm. And then uh, flex flex logic is the substrate that you're, they're putting it on. So it it's. I mean, you're not. Wrapping this around into a uh, a circle. I mean, it, it's flexible, but not hmm. all that malleable. And I mean, the, the thing about that is, is that that means distances are going to change. So, the process node is one you haven't seen in a while. Uh, like say the X four eighty six era. It's on eight hundred nanometer. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. So this is that anymore. Uh, I would assume of any of us, you would know that. That was a hundred, uh, hundred millimeter wafers that, uh, yeah, they were, you know, big. that was probably done on. Wow. So yeah, it's, that is yeah. this big. They, they you know how many chips distance. you can put on there? It's, it doesn't flex. <laughs> how you many of the works? <laughs> Maybe five. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe doped exactly it's doped plastic yeah. it's not even really a substrate but at <laughs> yeah. the same time the architecture is relatively new it's the the cortex m0 plus it just embiggened uh it's also slowed down a little bit uh if you might recall with the, the m a little bit. well yeah yeah the trace uh, it's gone this from log you 130 <laughs> megahertz to 20 kilohertz <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because here's the thing about plastic, it melts. Silicon. Yeah, there's that. You, you gotta you gotta heat it up pretty high, and so you 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 are limited in what you can do with that kind of substrate. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's an it's an interesting, uh, you know, it's an interesting advancement, and it will open up some other areas for it. I'm sure, but it's going oh, yeah. to be limited. It's certainly not going to be competitive in terms of density and performance as to current silicon-based wafers and, and Jeremy, technology. But, but it's if, did you say it was kilohertz? It ran at a kilohertz, kilohertz. rate, not twenty kilohertz. kilohertz. Wow! So that's like that's like Point the, the two, FPGA zero two. The, F, the FPGA machines that they test GPUs on the the, the yeah. flows. Yeah, that's that's 
That's how fast. That was. that brings us we to had... the other point. It's not actually an FPGA. It's currently a, a ROM right now. Okay. Yeah. It, it's it's etched in what it does. But hell, if you wanted to put sensors on somebody or in their clothing, this is your thing. Okay. But just just to give people a, a, a reference right here, we originally home computers. You know, back in way, 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 way long ago, you used to hook them to your television and they used to run at a, a rate of like 4.77 megahertz. And the reason it did that, it was the same, it was the same frequency rate as the color burst signal of the clock rate that was coming out of your freaking television. Megahertz, the badon of computers ran at four megahertz or 4.77 megahertz. This is a kilohertz rate just to kind of set the stage as to how fast so, these yeah, things slow. really aren't. Like when or- orders of a little bit sl- slower. A little bit slower. Within like, the, the audible range of switching. <laughs> yeah, click. It's like, what is that sound? Oh, it's my processor. <laughs> yes, it's got like actual relays. <laughs> Boy, what are the 404? Okay, a, 40, a 4004 Intel processor ran at 740 to 750 kilohertz. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And that's back in 1968. Yeah, it's got to set the Wayback Machine. I was talking about computers from the yeah. 80s. Jeremy, I'm not sure what to make of the, the name of this game. Chernobyl Light. Light. Does that mean Light. it was less tragic? What is this? <laughs> no, not really. Um, it, it's more like it's a mineral that's only found uh, in this game. Oh, okay. Uh, in and around uh, the reactor of Chernobyl. So this is a Kickstarter I backed a long time ago. Uh, The reason that I backed it was because this bunch of lunatics went to the exclusion zone. They got permission to do it with drones and laser rangers and a bunch of other stuff. You know, think uh, the, the Ridley Scott movie before Aliens, where they go in and they map the inside of the the spaceship. They did that in freaking Chernobyl. So a lot of this, there's a, there's a limited number of maps that you're using in this, but they're literal captures of the surrounding areas and environs of Chernobyl. So I thought, you know, that's kind of neat, and you guys are absolutely insane. So yeah, I'll throw my, a little bit of money at you. Uh, it's a far, the Farm 51 is what they're called, and they're, as you might expect, from around that area. So it's been probably four years now in development. I think it was supposed to come out in 2019 or so. And the early access for the backers did. But it's finally fully released. And so it's it's an odd game in that it's sort of roguelike in that, yes, there's a limited number of maps that you can go to, but each time you go, they're a little bit different in the uh, people that you're going to run into or whether or not there's some a bunch of uh, military that doesn't want you there or not. And there's some base building that you can only do certain things if you find other certain things. So from that end, it does sound like a lot of other things that have happened recently. But the focus isn't so much on that. Uh, it's it's not the horror. It's not the, oh, God, we got to find a deer. We're all dead and the game's over. It's part of the game, but it's not the main part of the game. The main part is that all of the NPCs are motion-captured people in uh, Hollywood makeup and gear. And so... You know, it's you actually more focused on the storytelling, on trying to put together the story of what the hell has happened as you're searching for your your uh, wife that uh, disappeared 30 years ago during the original accident, and figure out what happened to her with a little bit of horror and strangeness. And I mean, 
Chernobyl light doesn't actually really exist. Well, actually kind of does, but not really. Uh, it, it, there was a certain element they found within the reactor, but it's not brand new element. It's just, you know, it's an new isotope. It's, it's so there's some fans. Yeah. Talking about. And it's, yeah. it only exists in a melted down reactor. And it's just That's a mixture of everything. Silicon. Yeah. Carbon. Flash. Fissile material. Yeah. yeah. Corium. Yeah, Jeremy so this is sort of standing. I, I would have thrown money fun. at it if I'd known it existed. Well, it's only like twenty bucks on Steam, I think. I know that it's out. In. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing, if you are planning to go in shooting and fighting, well, actually, you're a research scientist, and the gameplay is like that. Yeah, you have a pistol, but if you get in a gunfight with anyone short of an old lady who doesn't isn't able to see, you're gonna die. You will be outshot because they know how to uke and no, there's no iron sights. You're literally a dude that's fired a gun a couple of times at a range. And so, yeah, good luck. Real quick. Um, I did a news post on this actually. A new cooler from Be Quiet. So it's the Dark Rock TF2 and TF stands for top flow. They're claiming 230 watts. That's a lot. For this rather compact cooler. I mean, it's big. It has two 135 millimeter fans. It's one of those kind of folded over designs, but it's uh, it only stands 134 millimeters tall. So if you are in a situation where you need either a shorter cooler or you want top flow, because of course that also cools the like the VRMs and things a little bit, the components around the the CPU, then this could be an interesting option. It's got six six millimeter heat pipes along with those fans, a silent wings three. With a funnel shape. Interesting. And then a Silent Wings 135. Virtually inaudible operation. Special black coating with ceramic particles to enable perfect heat transfer. We got that We've black seen. body radiation going on. Look at this picture. It's a big, oh, this is a big, body. beefy cooler. Imagine putting one of these on your like overclocked AMD DX4 back in the day. Think about it. Get it up to like 133 megahertz, whatever people did, 140. Uh, anyway, it's going to be uh, about $85. They do kind of unusual prices for the U.S. $85.90 is the official I think list they're price. doing a sort of euro to U.S. conversion. Yeah. And they just do it straight across. Yep, and it goes on sale August 10. And finally, we'll wrap up Maybe not news. everybody knew that Be Quiet is essentially European or German, so... Yeah, they're German. That's kind of why that's designed yeah. in quality control in Germany. Okay, what is lemon duck? I read this as lemon duck. It's actually lemon it's, duck, Jeremy. That it's lemon it duck. could have gone worse. Uh, party. It's it's not a party at all. What is it? It's oh, it's malware. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, originally it was one of the it was one of the original dump a miner on your machine and lo- and leave, and just have you mining away that you had no idea that you were doing it. And it's one sort of claim to fame was that it was pretty good at getting through things and uh, it will get Windows and it will get Linux too. It it don't care. It will do both of them. But it's been evolving uh, to the point where it forked. And now there's also Lemon Cat. Uh, They're named for a variable in the code. And so the the, the newer ones, uh, I mean, the good news is it will now hunt down and kill malware on your machine. So that it isn't <laughs> having to share any processes with any other bloody malware. 
So that's the sort of level of programming we're talking about behind this damn thing. Uh, but at the same time, it's now expanded to be able to sit and give itself permissions through just about any of the current vulnerabilities that are out there um, for your, your OS or your CPU uh, and gather up credentials. Uh, it'll screw around and disable U uh, UAC without you knowing it. Uh, it will then put a flag that it's still running so that Windows doesn't panic, but it's not actually running. And, you know, a, a variety of things. It does just about every bloody thing that you hear various pieces of malware do. It's just all in one package. And, yeah, it's it's out there. Uh, we know a lot about it, but a lot of the uh, command and control are being hosted on platforms that don't really care. Like, like literally to the point of you, you really need to be taken out back and executed for the crimes that are committing. Yeah, well, you can't extradite us from here, so we're going to keep it up. So they can't cut us, shut down the command and control, and they can move around the few times that they manage to block out a bunch of IPs. So it's just been evolving since 2019. It gets worse every single time. Uh, Microsoft just put a, a blog up to depress anyone who doesn't actually aware of this. And then the second one, they're going to go through some steps to try and defend against it. But it's definitely an arms race where, yeah, some of these tips will get rid of some of the holes, but at the same time it won't. And one of them is going to literally be uh, disable hyper-threading. Oh, oh again? Always See, answer? Soren comes up with a better picture right there. It's always oh, the answer. That, that's the one. Yep, he did it. Let me check. I was super impressed by the fact that it actually goes in and removes the other malware from your system. Yeah, that was the nice. part that caught me. I'm like, seriously, you're at that point now? It's like anti-malware. Yeah, really. It's like a super antivirus with the payload. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of like McAfee, isn't it? In a, in that way? Well, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, no, because that'll run right alongside all the other bloated antiviruses oh. that you have running yeah. in expired. So, hey, look, you, you have system. a point. Yeah, sure. I was I was looking for a, a herpes C thing to tie into this, and I decided maybe I, I shouldn't know, put I that on the front page. Quickly, a couple of minutes each on these. There's a couple of reviews on the site this week you can check out, and I urge you to do so so I don't have to drone on and on on the podcast here. We looked no, at no, a Main no, no, Gear no, no, no. Vibe. That's This is their base model gaming system. I will just show you a screenshot here that I took when I wrote this. And the Vibe starts at $1,699, so $1,700 PC, which I don't know if this is still the case, but it was shipping with a 3060 Ti, a Ryzen 5 5600X, 16 gigs of 3600 RAM and an SSD, a 512 Intel 660p, and a one terabyte hard drive. That's oh. not bad for 1700 bucks for a pre-built. You're Especially right. considering You're right. you cannot buy a 3060 Ti anywhere at all unless it's third-party <clears throat> markup or scalper. So, hey, what like, do you think about that solid front panel, though? That's okay. You're thank you for stealing my thunder here. Oh, but I I'm that, sorry, I didn't know. That's the uh, that's the system. It looks nice. But yes, as Brett alluded to, it has a solid plastic front panel, nice tempered glass side. It's just kind of your average case. That was the thing. The case was the letdown here. The components were nice. The build was nice. But this right here, these little vents are only on one side of the front panel. And that's it. So whatever kind of airflow you can get from that to feed this 240 millimeter liquid cooler, which of course this has a Founders Edition card of the RTX 3080 Persuasion. And that means that there is a fan right here blowing hot air up into the CPU cooler. So that 
that gets saturated a lot faster than it would otherwise. And you have these two intake fans, which aren't really getting any air. So needless to say, and you know, the build, I'll show this picture of the back. It's very tidy. They did a nice job of, of cinching up everything using zip ties and it's all very tight and everything. It's not on the fan bus. Yes, you do. But oh, it's yeah, not it's not on the level of the Falcon Northwest I looked at last year, honestly. It's okay. It well, looks like a really tidy but the pricing, home build. But the pricing this, difference, this doesn't it warrant that difference? This particular build was a total cost of $4,330, the way they configured it and sent it to us. Mm-hmm. Our loaner, they took that $1,700 system and they upgraded it all the way to $4,330. So I feel like for Vibe, which is their budget line... It makes no sense to configure a $4,300 Vibe when they have so much in the $4,000 range that's way more impressive, even if you don't get quite the level of like a 3080 and a 5950X still. You might want to order this if you're in California. Right. Uh, Anyway, the the Talon, (laughs) I I did a comparison just out of curiosity. A Talon would have been $4,687 with this configuration. So $300, $350 more. But then... The Talon has a bigger all-in-one liquid cooler. It has a longer warranty. It has Windows Pro instead of the home license. So when I reconfigured to match, we were talking forty-four thirty-nine for the Vibe versus forty-six eighty-seven. So two hundred and fifty dollars. But the the case alone on the Talon is probably worth the difference, in my opinion. Anyway, the uh, the you're getting all. Off-the-shelf components, I pointed out here. It's like it's an A, it's an Asus um, ROG Crosshair Eight Hero Wi-Fi motherboard. But here's here's the problem, and I had to I had to change the scale, the axis a lot here. So this is not as big as it looks, but there is a significant difference between not temperatures. I wasn't even worried about that. I was getting lower benchmark results with the front panel on versus off. It was Literally, this system scaled with airflow. Performance mm. scaled with airflow. <clears throat> where my initial graphics score for it, let's see, uh, the Cinebench All Core, 9,598 points. That's a short test with a 16 core CPU, but it was already heating up. And I took off the front panel, it goes up to 9,840. That's uh, wow. 242. Uh, points gained and this is an average like i was i ran it multiple times and i was getting consistently 9840 and then i took all the panels off and uh, maybe that was with all panels off i don't know anyway it it, it scaled up let's see i don't even know what i'm saying it's it scaled up significantly it went up 75 points i i i misstated that it went up 75 points by taking off the front panel it went up 242 points taking the front and side panel off so that the cooler got even more airflow so this if this was just a high airflow case it would have been fine the first thing i would do if i bought this system would be to put it in a different case i'd only buy it for the components i would not buy it for the case i don't like the case wow so they have all and here's the example they have all these other systems at main gear the vibe is the cheapest system you can move up to the R1, which starts at 2187. You move up to the Turbo. There are some that are different form factors. Like the uh, F131 is this um, skinnier case. But Rush is, of course, their big flagship. And you can even... I, I priced out a F131 with a custom loop 
starts at $4,092. So it, it, my Does it point, come with an optical drive? No. My point is, <laughs> well, if you have... Solid front. Quoting the article, if you have $4,300 plus to spend on a PC, spend $5,000 and get one with a fancy custom cooling. The end. That's the end of my review. It's nice, but it doesn't make any sense to upgrade a Vibe this far. Keep the Vibe for the entry-level builds with the Ryzen 5s, Ryzen 7s, and a mid-range GPU, and then move up to the F-131 or the Rush or something if you want a higher end. If you want to spend $4,000 on a build, get the really cool-looking hardline liquid cooling build. You'll regret it if one you of don't. Those, one of those cases looked a lot like the Lee and Lee 011. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I'll spend one minute on this. Just so you know it exists. Lexar, professional. I looked at some SDXC, like high-speed storage last year from Samsung, the Pro Plus, Evo Plus, and I compared it to my old uh, SanDisk Extreme, which was more expensive and continues to be more expensive, but is faster now. And here are my basic results. We're talking, they're hitting their their advertised numbers. This is advertised as 160 megabyte per second read and it does 159.61 at Q-depth 1 single thread. And it's rated for 120 megabytes per second writes. It was doing just over that. So no problems there. If you look at it compared to the Samsung Pro Plus that I reviewed last year, it's, it's night and day. And even the random performance is better until you get to writes. Random writes were slightly lower, but not much. But this is a different class of it's just ridiculously fast storage for the price. And here are other prices. Uh, the 128 gigabyte card that I reviewed is currently $27.99 on Amazon. That is still more expensive than Samsung's Pro, but it's less expensive than the SanDisk Extreme stuff. So I think it's a really good price performance mix. And I use a lot of SDXC storage, and I gave it the editor's choice just because the price performance is so good on these. I have no idea what the uh, longevity is because I only used it for a few weeks, but... I can't believe they're so inexpensive. That's quite a deal, actually. Yeah, they've dropped a lot. I mean, they've not a lot, but they've dropped a fair amount since they launched. But if you look at the stuff that's in the kind of like the price range of about $25 for a 128 gigabyte card, it's typically stuff that's up to 100 megabytes per second. And this is 160 for a, just a couple dollars more. Yeah, I think that's 20, 25% faster than I was buying 128 last a couple years ago. Actually, like 18 months ago. I like the dongle, too. Remember when we were buying 128 megabyte cards? <laughs> yeah, remember the form factor was not so small. It was much bigger. My well. first USB drive was 20 megabytes. But it was such a bargain as compared to that oh many 1.44 megabyte yeah. discs. That many floppies? Yeah. yeah. Picks of the week. And Picks Josh, of the week. Josh starts as usual. Uh, you know, Barodynamic uh, headphones are getting less and less expensive. The DT770 80 ohm, almost fifty dollars off. So you're you're going from one seventy nine down to one twenty five with another. No, not that much. Uh, one 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 thirty four. Uh, so that's a very nice price for closed speakers. There, there, there. These are the 80 ohm ones. So you got to have a source. That can push through. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, take uh, take care. But otherwise, comfortable design. Sounds great. Not a whole lot of scratch. 
80 ohms doesn't sound like a lot, but a lot of headphones are like 28 to 32, so you do need yeah. a yeah. little bit better headphone <clears throat> amplifier. Because it works the opposite of speakers. It was always confusing mm-hmm. to me. Speakers, the lower... Would you like me to get out and push that signal a little bit? It'll just uh, be really quiet. I mean, it just all, volume all the way up, and it'll just be not, not very But your signal-to-noise ratio. Oh, it'll be sweet. Yeah. Okay, Jeremy. Be quiet. Be quiet. You have a pick. I do? You do. I'm going to give you one. Here, talk about this. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the, the Nighthawk... REX20 uh, Wi-Fi 6 router from Netgear with a Broadcom uh, chipset in it, which means you're probably not going to see DDWRT on it, uh, which kind of sucks a little bit. But it. currently, it's running after you put in the co- the uh, promo code. It's a lovely eighty dollars. How normally How it's around two hundred bucks. Uh, I honestly don't know because this is not an old product. This is one of Netgear's newer ones. Uh, it's not their higher end. It's got uh, four streams. I think their high end has up to 16. Okay. But still, you, you've, you've got four streams. It's going to be enough because how many Wi-Fi 6 devices are you attaching to it at this exact moment? So not if you're just sort of looking for a, a semi-decent router to expand your network uh it's got four physical ports on it so it's, it's also not that big because uh, you can see the, the size of it compared to the ports at 70 bucks plus tax that is just a ridiculously good deal uh use it to extend it into the backyard i mean it's cheap enough you don't really care if it gets rained on too much so yeah it's 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 not a bad idea if you don't want to deal with mesh yeah you got a point there because I found that unless you actually know what you're doing, meshes are not necessarily the best way to go. I don't know. My hero has been pretty bulletproof. You know what you're doing. Yeah, and that's top line. That's Even top line gear. That hero don't also, know what they're doing. Eero is is they've they've optimized it and they've made it nice, not foolproof, but pretty damn close. And uh, you pay for it, and you know there are some disadvantages to it but overall it's all right brett your pick is next ah. um i chose uh something that um i'm not going to buy but i would kind of like it if i could buy it and i admire it because it exists yes, this is I the samsung this. this is the samsung neo g9 it goes on uh pre-order tomorrow for god's sake it's a very oddly shaped screen. screen oh wait there it is <laughs> For God's sakes, people who can afford this, please get in line. It's only twenty five hundred bucks. It's not like it's ten thousand dollars. And lay down your twenty five hundred bucks. It's not like I'm it's not that spending... TV that Jeremy picked last week. <laughs> I'm I'm probably not spending twenty five hundred dollars a monitor, but if this technology does get down to where I can afford it, I would so jump on this because it's this is two hundred and forty megahertz refresh, one microsecond, forty nine inches of curved, glorious display. You know, and you'd be a fool because you'd be buying first-generation display technology. I don't want to hear this. I'm going to put it's going to be... I'd rather spend $100,000 on a, on a roll-up one. I'm sorry. Because the this is I, I micro LED Gen 1. It's Oh, my gosh. Yes, you're right. I forgot to mention that. It's also micro LED with, I That's think, the whole over point. T- 2,000 dimming area, local dimming areas well, for those it, sweet, sweet blacks. 
Mm. Or just get an OLED display for a thousand dollars less and enjoy it. You know, I don't want to. I'm not listening to you right now. Fifteen hundred dollars, you could buy up. yourself a 55 inch OLED. Gigabyte, 48 inch OLED. Yeah, get that other nine. one, the special one that, that sounds, has like the VRR support or whatever. That sounds like yeah. an inch, an inch short, and a and a dollar less. But it's but it's taller, and so you can't right. handle taller. You can ha- the I taller that, gives you more space for activities. Display. I want that wide curved display. It's all about 49 the Forty-nine inches of glorious, of glorious yeah. curved resolution and high refresh. Two hundred and forty megahertz refresh. One microsecond. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for my pick, I don't have one, but I saw for some reason. And I don't want to admit to actually having bought this on eBay, but I totally not staged or anything. No, no, it was it was just over on the next table. It's not staged, but I, it's ridiculous that I own this, but I do. It is the Palm Z22 handheld essential pack. Package. Still in the box. Now, years ago, I bought one of these brand new at Circuit City for ninety nine dollars. And I use this thing every day. It comes with like two different silicon cases inside. It has like a bunch of extra crap in here. That's what this part is for, the, the essentials kit. But look at this device. It's uh isn't it kind of familiar looking? It's like a zoom? It's got a rectangular uh touch <laughs> display. It's got a home button centered it's an below iPod. it. Kind of it kind Dude. of like an iPhone. And this is what I had before my iPhone. So around but 2000. It was a Palm Pilot, so it was so much better. Right. In 2005, I bought one of these and I used it until the iPhone launched in 2007. And then I, because well, I watched that presentation, I'm like, I must have this because it was a color screen that got online. This thing, 160 by 160 pixels, I think was the actual screen resolution. It was, and it's kind of painful to think about going back and using it. I don't have mine anymore. But I could, I could open this box, which is still sealed, and experience oh it all over again. Oh, you could. Oh, but but you could won't. Could you not? Believe but it or not, won't. somebody was letting this go for next to nothing. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, it's still sealed. I twenty dollars. I have. Much? I'm hard hard to believe. All right, that's not a real pick, but the show is over. And if you tune in next week, you might, you might be treated to yet another edition of the PC Perspective Podcast. Thanks for watching and for listening, and we'll talk to you guys in the near future. Good night. Night.